Yes, as we start our sermon today, we're going, the title of it is Truth or Error, Colon Misinformation. Truth or Error, Colon Misinformation. I guess it would be a trending title a little bit. We're hearing a lot about truth or hearing a lot about misinformation. Last week, we talked about global warming. You never know uh, how we're going, how you, you might not know. Uh, but uh, what, how this is going to, we're going to tie these things together. But I want you to turn to your, in your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We'll be reading and you're hearing a few passages of scriptures from the New Testament. Not a lot, but 1, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, this is from John, and John is also John the Revelator. He would have been the last uh, disciple. He survived the longest, and uh, I think it was around 85 to 95 B.C. Uh, that he was doing this writing. If you remember from some of our other messages, um, Jesus' crucifixion could be around 33, 34 A.D., somewhere in there. So you kind of get an idea, and... John has the, uh, the ability, because he was a disciple, as things were going on and people were talking and people were, were learning about Scripture, he could correct and align people as they maybe were going in the wrong directions. He could align people to get on the right path and uh, have the right understanding. So... He's doing that to us in this scripture. He's trying to make sure that they don't get deceived or misguided or misdirected because he comes from that authority of being the, one of the disciples. So we find in verses, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4 of 1 John, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So lots of pieces of information in there. And as he talks and, and tries to address the things of that time, we can find some understanding and some insights of what's going on now. That first passage of scripture says, try the spirits Try the spirits, I guess it's saying, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Don't believe every spirit. Test them. You know, when a new idea comes along, just don't jump on and say, hey, that's a great idea. In another passage of scripture, we would tell where it, uh, it talks about don't lay on, hands on any man quickly. You know, you have someone that comes along and they're a young person, they've got a lot of energy, um, or they stand up and something's happening, don't just say, 
yeah, everybody likes them. Let's, let's endorse them. Let's say that they're doing things correctly. We need to listen to them. Don't do things too quickly. But it says, try the Spirit to see if they're of God. Some great new idea comes along. Some great new understanding. Sometimes those can be dangerous. Dangerous. We have to be careful that we're not guided by emotion. Spirit, that pneuma, that flow, that emotion. We want to be careful about being guided by emotion. If you think about people that are in the mix of anxiety or in the mix of depression, the thoughts that come to their mind are not thoughts that you necessarily want them to act upon. We've got to be careful that we're not guided by emotion. We need to try the spirits, see if that impression we're getting is of God or of the devil. Is he trying to cause confusion because we go, know that God is not the author of confusion? We live in a time, and it's not new, that we are guided by emotion. A marriage that's based on feeling in love is, def- is a lot different than a marriage based on being in love. A marriage that is based on feeling in love is a lot, a lot different than a marriage based on love. I'm tempted to use the terminology of the day, but people, I'll, I'll say it, they, I think today they would say, if you've been married more than a minute. I think that's the way they would say it. My children, if I would say that in front of them, they'd laugh at me and like, Dad, that's not the way you talk. But that's the way they say today, if you've buried more than a minute. If you've been married 20 years or 10 years or 30 years or whatever, if your marriage is based on love, you know it's not based on just the feeling. Yeah, there's those feelings, but it's a commitment. But some people get married based on a feeling. And then their marriage, unsurprisingly, in some ways, falls apart if they don't develop a new and deep, or a deeper love. So we don't want to just guide ourselves based off of our feelings. I would tell you that uh, how many times have you had the obstacle on Sunday morning? And maybe you haven't had this happen where you just don't feel like going to church. You just don't feel like going to spirit, to church. Maybe you had a a rough night, maybe you didn't sleep well, but it's like, I didn't feel like it. Now, you think God wants you to be in church? What's that, what's the spirit? What's the, what's the emotion? What's the thing behind that? Have you not tried to get ready for church? And those of you who've had small children before, everything goes wrong on Sunday morning, trying to get to church. Some people will say, well, it kind of indicates that based on what's happening is, uh, Maybe, maybe it means I'm not supposed to go to church today. That's not of the Spirit of God. If people only went to church when they felt like it, we might be in a little bit of trouble because some of your pulpits would be empty. If the pastor didn't come to preach on the Sunday morning because he didn't sleep the night before, or because he was tired, or because of whatever, you might have an empty pulpit in your churches. You might have an empty pulpit in this church. But... It can't be based on a feeling. It can't be based on on those kinds of things. But if everybody didn't go to church when they didn't feel like it, is that the spirit of God or is that the spirit of the devil trying to influence? 
But try the spirits. Some new doctrine comes along. Some new direction. Some change in course. Something that's new. Something that says the Bible doesn't mean what the Bible has said for a long time is a, tr- is a problem. Try the spirits. And where do we try the spirits? We try them against the word of God. We try them against that consistency. We try that against the understandings that have come through. And John tells us here that we really need to try the spirits and see if they acknowledge Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Now Jesus is the name of, well, of Jesus, but of man. A man named Jesus who was also God, but Jesus Christ, Christ is a title. It's the Messiah. You take the person together, say he is the Christ, and then you say that he came in person, you're acknowledging Jesus. If you run into a church that doesn't acknowledge Jesus, then you're probably not in the right church if you're wanting to follow God. I should say probably you're not. If you come into a church then that, you know, Jesus says he's, I am the way, the truth, and life, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me, if you go to a church and they say there's many ways to get to heaven, then you're not in a Christian church. It might be a denomination that says they're evangelical Christian church, but if they let people in their pulpits that, denom- that, that allow for that there's many ways to get to heaven and not just through Jesus, I would tell you that denomination is in trouble. When you have ordained ministers saying of denominations, doing prayers in public places and acknowledging false gods of Hindu, the denomination's in trouble if they don't, if they don't um, address that. Be careful of what you pick up. Be careful of what you listen to. Be careful of the breeze of the day, of that spirit of the day, of the wind of the day that kind of tosses people to and fro, as scripture talks about, with every wind of doctrine. Because they're not grounded far enough, you get tossed around. And it can get confusing, but it's such a good feeling. In 2 Timothy 4, in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, Second Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, sound teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned away to fables. What's itching ears mean? What's itching ears mean? Sometimes you hear the phrase, were your ears burning? It means that I was... Somebody was talking and saying your name, but their itching ears is, their ears itch and they need that itch scratched. And they're wanting it scratched by what they want to hear. They want to hear that it's okay to get drunk once in a while. They want to hear that it's okay to play around with drugs. It's okay, and you can keep going down the list of things. It's okay because it feels good. 
And if it feels good, it must be good. And if it feels good, it must be good, so you should do it, because it is good. Because that's the way God created me. That's just the way I am. Try the spirits to see if they are of God, because the itching ears are going to hear what is the easy way. They want that easy grace, that easy walk with God. They don't want to hear what is the hard things. You know, when people talk about people being closed-minded, which is more closed-minded, listening to something that's going to challenge you or listening to something that always agrees with you? If you're coming to church to endorse your sinfulness and you keep looking for a church that is going to say that what you're doing is okay, you're not really seeking the truth you're seeing, seeking affirmation. But if you're seeking the truth based on God's word, you will go where the preacher says and the t- teacher teaches and the songs support whatever the Bible says, whether it's going to make you feel good or whether it's going to make you feel bad, but it's going to instruct you. The word of God is a two-edged sword to the separation of soul and spirit. It's a two-edged sword. If you take off one of the edges, it's no longer the word of God. It examines us. It pierces us. It wakes us up. It challenges us. and says you need to do a little bit better in your interactions with other people. You need a little bit better in your work for the ministry. You need to do a little bit better over here. And I know that you were born, and you were born in sin, and you were born in depravity, but I have something better for you through the blood of Jesus that you can't attain to. But you don't get that if you're not challenged. The Bible says that he chastens those that he loves just like a parent chastens his children. He corrects them. He improves them. He helps them do better. It's not loving a child to say, I know you lie. I know you knock over the other kid's blocks. I know you take away from them and say everything's mine. To leave them like that until they're 25 years old and they act like a spoiled brat That's not love. God says he chastens those that love him. He brings them along. He loves them. He chases them. He corrects them. And chastening is hard for the season, but it improves us. But if you're just chasing down, I want to keep doing what I've been doing, you're not going to improve. You're not going to do any bit better. And that goes for those that are older in Christ as well. We need to be willing to be chastened. We need to be willing to be corrected. Then we move to 2 Peter chapter 2. Now 2 Peter chapter 2 gives us a whole lot of meat to think about. And in this passage of scripture that we're going to read to you, in verse 18, It says, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Great swelling words of emptiness. Great swelling words of emptiness. Have you ever listened to a great oration, a great delivery, a great speech with flowering words? Politicians are great at that. And then when you step back, 
you're like, wow, that was so great. That was so fantastic. And then you read it, and they didn't actually say anything. Great swelling words of emptiness. A preacher can get up and preach great swelling words of emptiness. And people go back, and they're emotionally excited. They're drawn in, and they're thinking, that must be of the Spirit, but what did it say about God? What did it say in accordance to God's word, what did it say? I think I told you this story. Did I tell you about that time I was on a business trip and I went to a blues bar? Did I tell you about that story? My business uh, people that I was with, we were in Chicago, and they went to this blues bar. Well, I'm not, about, I'm not drinking. I wasn't planning on drinking. But they had a concert in there. It's kind of like any, anymore you go to a restaurant and it sits around. It's just, you know, I go to a grocery store and there's a bar in a grocery store. But anyway, I went to this blues bar, and uh, not to drink, but to see this blues thing, whatever blues in Chicago is. And so I went in with him, and I'm watching, and some guy was sitting up on the front chair, and they're playing the blues, and they're playing the songs, and some guy thought it was really cool. So he's sitting, I'm way in the back. I'm just observing people, because I'm thinking, this is interesting. Let me just see. And I'm watching people, and the guy up on the front row, he's sitting down, the next thing I know is he's, he's like this, and he goes, you thought you'd be at, you were in a church service or something, and he got blessed with the move of the Holy Spirit. No, he was getting emotional about the jazz or about the blues. I mean, if we use our measure is about the emotionalism, when we go to an NFL game and all those drunks and stuff are jumping around and waving their hands and jumping up the line, it must be a mighty moving of the Spirit of the Lord. No, try the Spirit to see of God, and it's not just based on emotion, it's something deeper. But just because it invokes your emotion, just because after you sing a chorus in a song of praise and you repeat it 20 times, you're kind of going into a chant and you're trying to evoke an emotion instead of the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart and it going out. We don't want to be manipulated by emotions, manipulated by music to mask itself as the Spirit of God because we want the Spirit of God through the Word of God to come into our hearts as the sword piercing us and waking us up of a deeper, deeper walk that we need with God. So I want you to listen as we follow along in 2 Peter chapter 2. And the warning is of false prophets. And these false prophets, people saying this is the way of God, but it's not. We need to guard ourselves against those, and we're going to read about that. We need to be based on the Word of God, not some new book. It needs to be based on the Word of God, not on some Buddhist teaching and how that Buddhist teaching can help me in my Christian walk. Yes, I've seen that stuff out there. You want to be a better Christian, read your Bible. Follow God. Don't go off trying to read some other false religion. 2 Peter chapter 2, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false prophets among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on them swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, 
and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who would those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous lots who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness of those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime, their spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, falling the way of Balaam, the son of Behor, who loved the wages of righteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a, a, dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest. For whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped them from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them, the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, <coughs> and a sow having washed, to her wallowing in the mire. I know that was a lot of reading. I'm hoping that you picked up some pieces of it. In summation, you can kind of think of it as there are people that are trying to follow God. And you think these, you see this in other parts of Scripture. These people that maybe are sincere and they're struggling with certain temptations, someone comes along and tells them, hey, it's okay. Someone comes along and they're seeking a following and, and they get people to follow them. We can think of Jim Jones. We can think of different people that they kind of get picked up on having a great following. And if you don't know who Jim Jones is, have you ever heard of the phrase, drink the Kool-Aid? Have you ever heard of the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid? Have you girls ever heard of the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid? Well, somebody says, have you, are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Have you drunk the Kool-Aid? That comes from, back from uh, Jim Jones's era when, when he led people astray to follow him and 
he mixed poison in their Kool-Aid and they all drunk the Kool-Aid and they died together. They piled on top of their children, protecting their children because they were following this heresy. This is the warnings that we have to warn against. If something new is coming on and everybody's excited about it, it's great to be excited. It's great to have the emotion, but it needs to be founded in the Word of God. And then today, we have people trying to determine what is truth and what is error. And the greatest truth and error that you need to determine is whether it's following the Word of God. And if it's not following the Word of God, it's error. I don't care how many times people say it. I don't just care how many times they repeat it. I don't care how flowery the words are. I don't care how many people follow it. If it's in contradiction with the Word of God, it's in air. It's misinformation. It's misinformation. The Bible has some hard things to understand. But it talks about all of life, but it also has some hard things to incorporate. But, but we can do them through the help of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we can't just dismiss it because it's hard. We can't dismiss it because it's something that's challenging. There's scripture that talks about I am, he is the potter and I am the clay. You ever worked with clay? Maybe in your art classes in school at, at least? And somebody's trying to form something in clay? What do they do with that clay? The first thing you do with the clay is you take it out and what do you do? It, you beat on it. And you try to get all the air bubbles out of it. And you're, you are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, shape me. Put me in the right form. That's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. But what happens when we get out of line and we mess, mess it up and we took over? There's a song that Chuck Milhoff, uh, an Nazarene evangelist, used to when I took the brush back from Jesus, he basically, when I, I said it backwards, when I gave the brush back to Jesus, he's basically saying, I was doing the painting of a portrait. I was molding my own clay, more or less. And I made a mess. And when you make a mess, God's going to come have to come form, and he's going to have to form it back. He's going to have to collapse it down. He's going to have to remodel. And if you've ever done remodeling, it can be a little bit painful but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. But we've got to allow Jesus to do that, and we can be something better. Don't let people tell you that you're okay to stay, and what you're doing is okay, even though it's destructive. More and more things that are sinful and destructive to us are being normalized. Try the Spirit's. When something comes across Facebook, don't like it immediately. How's that for practical practice? Oh, that's a great saying. And somebody's reposting something from a particular group, and that's a great saying. Go to that group and find out what that group is saying about other things. You might be surprised. You've just en endorsed heresy. Someone that teaches heresy because you saw the one phrase and you clicked on it immediately. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful in your politics and things when you go to vote and you listen and, oh, that sounds really great. Okay, 
Be careful. Think. When I talked about scripture in here and it says they just become brutes, it, in another translation it just basically says they don't even reason. They just act on instinct. Think. Think. Read your Bible. Allow God to speak to you. Allow God to talk to you with that still, small voice like he talked to Elijah. Not in yelling, but quiet yourself. Be still that he is, and know that he is God, and to listen to what he is trying to tell you. Yeah, there's a lots of information out there. And people are concerned about misinformation, but the greatest misinformation that I'm concerned about, I think we should be concerned about, is the misinformation that tells that there's multiple ways to get to heaven, that, that sin is okay, that contradicts the word of God. That's why they don't want the word of God. That's why they don't want prayer. Think about all the things that are conflicting at church, all the things that challenges for our time in church, all the things that challenges for our time in God's word, the challenges in the time of our fellowship. We had so many challenges during COVID. It took the church and people weren't gathered together anymore. And then it divided the people that wanted to get together from the people that didn't want to get together because of the COVID. So we saw a split. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccines. We saw splits. Go to church, don't go to church. Now we're at this point, we need to wake up and we need to go to church. We need to read our Bibles. We need to be involved in these things, whether we feel like it or not. Let us mature. Let us be mature. Let us not be like little children, torn around with all our emotions and want somebody to tell us that it's okay. I know it's Mother Day's coming up, but when the cut is cut, just mom kissing it doesn't make it better. Just someone telling you that it's okay doesn't make it better. We need God, the Holy Spirit, to come and work on our wounds, heal our broken hearts, forgive us of our sins, and do something about the cause, not just the symptoms of sin. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that you would enlighten us, shed light on our path as we traverse through this world, and we did come into different kinds of information, and we can't tell which way's up and which way's down. May our first filter be, is it consistent with the word of God? Does it make me more likely and better follower of Jesus or less? Help us to not get all tripped up and pulled into endless debates on things that aren't as meaningful. Help us to not walk a shallow life. Help us to use the brains that you give us in combination with your word. But may our reason be healed by you. We're born in depravity. We don't think right. We need the touch of God so that we think right. May you speak to us through your word, through your scripture. May we try the spirits and see that they are of God. And help us not to do things quickly. Help us not to run on emotion, but on a deep, 
founded, grounded faith in you. May you teach us. May we be quiet from time to time and listen to the still, small voice, that persistent presence, that pressure in the small of our back, as it were, directing us to the left or to the right, as it talks about in the Old Testament. And may you be pleased with us. May we accept your correction. May we grow. May we desire to improve. And may our ears not itch for what we want to hear, but may our ears itch for what you want to tell us. Guide and direct us. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to be back in church. Help us to not avoid the gathering of ourselves together because we don't feel like it. Help us, Lord, to be all about you all the time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and hearts praying,